This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. Hello. Happy Tuesday. That's right. This is Let's Go There with Shira. Ryan is out. Shara Giselle is back filling in. Say Tuesday again. Oh, yeah. I made fun of for how Tuesday. I said Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, my gosh. Hi, Shira. This is <laughs> this is my last day for a minute. But you know what? I have to acknowledge. I can't believe I missed this yesterday. What? So yesterday marked my two-year anniversary since I started at Channel Q. Yes! As Shar Jocelle Navarro, the rotating co-host. Like, I did my first <laughs> fill-in show wow. two years ago yesterday. That is wild. So fun. I know. We love having you. <laughs> and you know, Shara is wearing her sunglasses inside. Well, I only got three hours of sleep. You still look amazing. Do you want to see me on three hours of sleep? No, you I don't. I only got three hours of sleep last night. I've been typing. I'm still typing, working on something. It's I'm juggling a lot of balls right now. Because Shara is an entertainment journalist. Be clear. Be yes. clear. At the capital J. <laughs> And meanwhile, while you were working, I was busy watching Netflix's Call My Agent. While soaking in the tub. I was soaking the tub. You, I didn't have my laptop in the tub. I put it outside the tub and then Smart. I lean out. Smart. Yes. I, I always get nervous when I see like those posts. You know how people want their little photo ops, their little Tumblr-worthy yeah. photos, if Tumblr's still a thing? But it's like the laptop is like on a tray in the tub. Oh, totally. Like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me right now? I've thought of like when I do selfies, I do take selfies in the tub and I think one day I'm going to do this and I live with someone and he's not going to hear from me and then he's going to come and I'm going to be naked with my phone in the tub. And he's going to be like, that's what you get for taking selfies in the tub. Well, your phone's water resistant, right? You have a, you have yeah, a good or, iPhone. Yeah, I'm meaning like, like I'll get a, you know, a, a, shock? a shock. Oh, Shira. And die good or Lord. something. <laughs> All right, Lord. this is getting dark. Listen, uh, there's a lot coming up on the show today. What you need to know about Capitol Hill's police reform bill moving forward, hopefully a year after George Floyd's murder. That's in 15 minutes. Plus, we keep hearing about cicadas. You know, they're like big, ugly insects. Flying beetle type. I grew up with cicadas, so we'll talk about it. Yeah, what you need to know and if you should be worried because I hear there's like an infestation or something. Oh, well, I live in California. Cicadas aren't here. Okay. I grew up in suburban Chicago. Okay. And oh, so cicadas are there. Be clear. Well, we're going to be talking about that 425 p.m. Pacific, 725 p.m. Eastern. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. It is the anniversary of George Floyd's murder. Again, I can't believe it's been a year. And as we all continue to mourn and honor his life and legacy, many leaders and his family are speaking out. Here's his brother, Philanese Floyd, today. 
No, no, because this this the thing. If you can make federal laws to protect the bird, which is the bald eagle, you can make federal laws to protect people of color. And we'll be talking. Oh, no, that's right. What? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. Uh, we'll be talking more about this. Isn't we're not going to stop talking about this here. We have uh, the journalist behind the recast at Politico joining us to talk about just this year in history. And you know, if you're interested, uh, ABC, OWN, BET, PBS. There's a few channels, World Channel, are airing uh, different specials to commemorate today. Um, and check your local listings for that. I probably will not be watching. Actually, I do like uh, the the series that ABC has been doing. So if I do tune into anything tonight, it will be the uh, the ABC special. But I just, I cannot believe it's been a year. And I think it's important to recognize that George Floyd was not some sort of martyr. He yep. wanted to live. He wanted to be here. Uh, this was not some sort of sacrifice, some sanctimonious sacrifice. And I think that it's important to be mindful in the ways in which we frame conversations today because it's not like you know like he just laid his life on the line in order to progress society he wanted to live he wanted to be here and he was murdered in cold blood as we all saw um in the recorded video yeah that's why when even as as we're reporting about this to say you know he lost his life or he just passed like no he was murdered let's call it what it is and then also he didn't choose that day to die Let's right. Be clear. But that's why I said we have to be careful about our language. You know, N- Nancy Pelosi, even when, when the verdict was read, Nancy Pelosi stepped into some 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 dog, yep. you know, mess, you know, so to speak, with her choice of, of language. So I think it's just very, very important as we're navigating this very, very uh, necessary but delicate conversation to call a thing a thing. And stop trying to sugarcoat and make it seem like, you know, this was something that he willingly went into because it is not. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, more on that in 10 minutes on the show. But uh, let's switch things up. What's happening in entertainment news, Char? Oh, my goodness. So this is a story that I'm currently kind of covering right now, writing on. But Euphoria star Hunter Schaefer, um, her father, I had no idea. OK, so his name is Mac Schaefer mm-hmm. and he is a Presbyterian pastor. He's been like leading the church for like almost 30 years and he penned an op-ed to People Magazine basically uh, detailing why he chooses to support trans rights. Of course, his daughter helped be a vehicle for that. But, you know, uh, there's a quote that stands out to me where he says, recognize that we are all children of God and made in the image of God. And so if you want to check that out, you got to go over to People Magazine because it is quite a powerful piece and I think that it's so important to have religious figureheads really come out and try to I guess bring us all together um, a lot of LGBT folks are just minding their business and there's a lot of you know a lot of the times in religious institutions such as the church they're not always the most affirming or welcoming oh, for yeah. LGBT nope. folks so this is a big deal for this man who has been you know a figurehead of the Presbyterian Church for the past 30 years to really come out and and pen this powerful op-ed again that's over at People Magazine you should check it out early as queen early as queen and Hunter Schaefer you know Jules Euphoria she's also a model I yeah. gotta catch up on that show oh my goodness you're yes. not caught up on Euphoria no I'll binge watch sure, that Sure, what time. are you caught okay. up on? Moving on? What is she caught up uh, on? Sure, doesn't even watch shows. anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, coming up, of course, we are joined by Politico. We are remembering George Floyd, his life, his legacy, one year later. That's next.
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, it's been a year since George Floyd's murder, nine minutes and 29 seconds, that, as his daughter shared, has changed the world. And today we remember and honor his life taken too soon. Bracton Booker joins us right now, a correspondent and author of the recast at Politico. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. How, how will future generations look back and remember this past year and this tragic moment in history? Well, I think people are going to look back at, at this moment uh, with, with George Floyd's passing and in the national protest that it, it produced as um, really as the the second coming of or the second uh, version of the of the civil rights movement. I think you see a lot of uh, push from uh, from protesters, from demonstrators, from activists pushing their lawmakers to to bring about change, whether or not that's you know at the voting booth, whether that's in, in policing reform, and and really continue to to apply this pressure uh, on lawmakers and on leaders to to bring about uh, equitable change for everyone. You know, um, I have to ask you your opinion on on this next talking point, because as a black American, it does appear that there has been, at least within the last calendar year since this um, tragedy has happened, there's been a lot of, you know, masterpiece theater, as I call it, as far as like people really took to the streets last summer. But then, you know, a year later, it doesn't feel like that same fire is up under people. It doesn't feel like a lot of people were really serious in a lot of uh, their gestures that they did. What do you think the overall holdup is when it comes to making tangible change, when it comes to lawmakers making tangible change uh, and steps towards progress as it pertains to the relationship between law enforcement and the black community? Well, look, I mean, uh, I, I think a lot of people would, would agree with you. There's, it's, it's much easier to put a, a black square on your Instagram mm-hmm. page than it is to actually enact change, right? It's, it's much easier to to send a couple of you know a couple of dollars to you know a charitable organization than it is to to enact policies that that make you know hiring practices more equitable within your own company, right? Um, so I, I think on on one hand. People were, or people, companies, entities were, were just reacting so viscerally to what they saw, as you alluded to, the nine minutes, 29 seconds of, of a white officer kneeling on the neck of a black man with, with, with seemingly without remorse. And, you know, at the time we couldn't call it a murder because the officer, Derek Chauvin, wasn't convicted. But now we can actually say Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd. But as it pertains to uh, lawmakers, look, I mean, Getting laws changed is 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 a very deliberate effort, right? And unless you have uh, a, a single party in charge of uh, of a legislative body, it's really difficult to get huge monumental pieces of legislation through. And that's what I think you're seeing on the federal level is you're seeing that yeah, policing is is certainly a hot button topic currently, but you have a a very almost evenly divided uh, uh, House of Representatives. You have an evenly divided Senate. And in order to get something through, there has to be consensus building. There has to be reaching across the aisle. And we're seeing signs of that in, in, in the negotiations on, on police reform. But, you know, this, I think it takes time before both parties can, can really get to a place where they can find some actual common ground that you can get enough lawmakers to, to vote on.
Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, we want to talk about Congress and how they've been trying to pass the police reform bill. Well, what is stopping Biden from signing it? Those answers with Bracton Booker from Politico next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Congress is unlikely to pass a police reform bill today on the first anniversary of George Floyd's death and President Joe Biden's deadline to approve the legislation. Racton Booker is back with us, correspondent and author of the recast at Politico. Thanks again for being here today. We appreciate it. Absolutely. So what happened? Why was this bill not passed today like it was supposed to? (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) you know that... President Biden set out a, a very ambitious uh, time frame to get uh, police reform done. He set that up when he uh, gave his joint address to Congress last month. Now, this is going to be a tall order in order for, for lawmakers to come together and get it passed both in the House and the Senate. Uh, and look, I will say after the Chauvin trial, after Chauvin was convicted of George Floyd's murder, there seemed to be a real flurry of activity on, on the Hill. And it looked really good that something could be passed by by today, by the May 25th deadline. But, you know, after a couple of weeks, it was becoming very clear that, you know, it, there there were some sticking points that, that kept emerging. And the, the thing that seems to be uh, gumming up the talks right now is this, this idea of qualified immunity, which is Ooh. this doctrine that shields police officers from being sued by, by victims' loved ones for for, you know, violating civil, uh, victim civil rights. And so uh, the Republicans, led by uh, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, they're trying to move what a qualified immunity is. They're trying to say, like, hey, you can't sue individual officers, you can sue police departments. Whereas uh, progressives are saying, uh-uh, no way. After, after George Floyd's killing, we, we got to get qualified immunity out of policing. We got to have to allow people to sue officers directly. And that seemed to be where, where talks have stalled. Yeah, you know, um, qualified immunity has never made sense to me. And this is something that I wasn't even fully aware of until last year, if I'm being totally honest. Do you think that bipartisanship will exist when it comes to coming together? Because like you just mentioned, there's this huge tug of war from both sides of the aisle. What do you think it's going to take for people to come to a middle ground in a bipartisan type way? You're talking about on police reform specifically? Yes. Oh, man. I mean, look, uh, let's, let's start with the positive, right? Like, at least they are continuing to talk, right? They're continuing to talk to principles that are having this negotiation on police reform. Um, the, the main principles, I mentioned Tim Scott, but there's also Cory Booker, of, uh, a senator from New Jersey, and Karen Bass, a congresswoman from California. They sent out a joint statement yesterday basically saying that we are continuing to talk, we continue to work through our issues, and the fact that the three of them were in a single statement, you know, it can be seen as a positive, that they're still really negotiating this. But I will tell you that, you know, getting getting this particular bill across the finish line it is going to be very difficult. I mean, if we're, if we're looking at how policing is looked at in, in you know, red states versus blue states, we're seeing blue states uh, on well, the more local level are, are, are making changes to policing. We're, we're not seeing as much uh, uh, in red states. So I just... It, 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 you know, like everything in Washington, it comes down to the politics, and I just don't know if there's the political will to get this across the finish line. Definitely. So I'm working on it. 
Can you uh, tell us the difference between the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act and the Justice, or or is that the same thing? It's the Justice and Policing Act is part of that, right? There's not like a bunch of different mm-hmm. acts or bills, are there? So, so the the Justice uh, and Policing Act is is the one is the bill that passed the House. So that's got the the provisions about you know. Uh, uh, doing away with uh, with chokeholds, you know, creating mm-hmm. this database for for um, for for police officers that are you know considered quote unquote bad apples to kind of track them so they aren't so easily able to get another job in a different police department if they've gotten fired. Now, none of those provisions are in the proposal. We haven't actually seen the bill from from Tim Scott. He hasn't reintroduced the bill uh, that he um, introduced last year after George Floyd's death. But that is that is where we're seeing that qualified immunity as we know it kind of stays in place, but the, the, it would allow the, the suing of, of police departments. But we haven't seen the bill because they're, they're having these negotiations now. So no, no bill on the Senate side has been introduced uh, in this year. So we're, we're anxious to see that framework, but we don't anticipate it changing too much from what we saw last year. But that's, that's kind of the broad framework of the that's what we're looking at. So, like House, House bill did pass. There's nothing that's been considered yet in the Senate. Braxton Booker, thank you. Uh, Braxton Booker, thank you so much for joining us for this. A lot to look out for, Ooh, but we appreciate so much to you um, for being here on a day like today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. Have a great day. You too. And Braxton is a correspondent and author of the recast at Politico. Coming up on the show, how Caitlyn Jenner hopes to beat what she calls big tech's woke cancel culture. Okay, that's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. California gubernatorial candidate Caitlyn Jenner has already alienated the LGBTQ plus community. And now she's also trying to alienate Silicon Valley. Let's see how this is going to work for her when she's running for governor of California. So she tweeted this. 
1976, I took on the Soviet Union and won. Today, Silicon Valley's monoculture seems to espouse the same values. I will take on big tech's woke cancel culture and win for all of California and America. Well... People were not having this tweet. Like, girl, please go somewhere and sit down. Find a comfortable chair. Matter of fact, find a spiky one and oh, sit down. Ow. I'm so tired of Caitlyn Jenner. I just, I truly am. I'm just, I'm really tired. I'm really, I'm really tired. I mean, it seems like she's <laughs> trying to find the angle, right? And she's really pushing this. She's not stepping down or sitting down, um, even on a comfy couch. I don't want her to be comfortable. <laughs> She's not making things any comfortable for for anyone else, so I don't want her to be comfortable. I think that this is ridiculous. I'm so tired of, honestly, the term cancel culture because it is so contradictory. Um, it should be accountability culture because no one really truly gets canceled. It's all subjective, and it's all where you personally choose to give your attention or your dollar to. So I don't know what Caitlin's talking about. Caitlin doesn't even know what she's talking about because who's silencing her? Is she mad because Trump isn't allowed on social media? Like, who is silencing Caitlin? No one's even silencing Republican or right-wing voices. No one's silencing, you know, Democrat or left-wing or moderate voices. What is Caitlyn Jenner talking about? Yeah, she doesn't like people criticizing her. But you know what? If you're going to put yourself in a spot to be criticized, that's what's going to happen. You can't be oh, surprised. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's what comes with it. And she should know that by now as someone who's been a public figure for, what, 40-something years? Like, come on now. Yeah. And, of course, this is reminding a lot of people of when Alaska Governor Sarah Palin claimed that Alaska's proximity to Russia gave her foreign policy experience. I can see Russia from my house. Yeah, like acting like, oh, because I was able to do this and compete against the Soviet Union or win— I'm going to be able to beat these folks. She also linked to this article talking about how some people are moving out of California, including Elon Musk, because they want to pay less taxes, buy cheaper homes and see fewer homeless people. And Which thinking, is so odd to me, like thinking that um, <laughs> that her take and her stance on this will help. I want to know who the Caitlyn Jenner voter is. Who do you think the Caitlyn Jenner voter is, Shira? I'm, it's not anyone LGBTQ. I mean, well, it's some. I mean, those log cabin Republicans. Yeah, I think maybe she's got the log cabin Republicans. So I, I just want to know what that person looks like, how their values align, because this makes no sense to me, especially the the push. Yes, California does have a huge issue oh, with yeah. people who face houselessness, but that's because, you know, the cost of living keeps going up, but what we're getting paid is not going up. So that is a real problem that's, that's facing us right now. But instead of Jenner reaching in her pocket, Pockets and maybe donating to charity or maybe helping someone, she chooses to what? Cry and moan about it? And she's supposed to be a part of the, the party of what? Christian and family values? Well, it's just like... Someone help me figure... Someone help me make it make yeah, sense. Yeah. I mean, she's not she's not necessarily going to even get the Republican support because Republicans don't want to support the trans community. Well, she might. She might. If they choose to weaponize identity politics, she'll for sure get some. Some support, I believe. Well, according to many polls... She's only getting 6% support from the state's voters. Now, you see why I told her to find somewhere to sit down? You see why I told her to go in a corner and sit down on a spiky chair? While, while she's trying, a lot of sitting here references, while she's trying to unseat Governor Gavin Newsom in the recall election, which, by the way, it's easy. Caitlin to- doesn't even vote. They pulled up her voting I mean, record. Too. I think she voted, what, seven times in 20 years? Like, And I, I, that could be a gross exaggeration, but she doesn't even vote. 
You have no political background. Like, girl, ugh, I just want this woman to go away. I'm so, so tired of her. I'm so, so tired of the headlines. And every time there is a headline, it's something ridiculous. And I try to really approach it objectively. I really do. I know someone listening is rolling their eyes like, Shar, please. But I really do. But every time there's a Caitlyn Jenner headline, it is... It's something I have to close my eyes and exhale to because I know some nonsense is following her name. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Or in a chair, in this case. Now go have a seat, Miss Jenner. I'm getting, this is getting very too visual. And I feel like now it's <laughs> awkward and hard to handle. Uh, but let us know what you think about this and her continued tweets around, I don't even know what at this point, comparing uh, her win in the Olympics to the election at LGT shows where you can and find us Silicon Valley. on social media. And the fact that she's dragging Silicon Valley, which she should want them in her pocket. But hey, if you want to call those folks out, call those folks and out. And is she comparing them to what? Like terrorism? I don't know. I'm confused. To can- the woke cancel culture. Like they're part of the problem. Okay. I don't know. Everyone's part of the problem, I guess. Everyone's canceling. Uh, coming up, a Texas bill targeting transgender youth has hit a roadblock. More details next on Watch Training This Hour. Oof. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back. It is Shira again. Ryan is out. Sharjasel is filling in. And we've got a lot coming up, including the best day of the week to take a mental health day off work. You know, it's still important to talk about mental health every day, but including during Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah, and it's coming to a close. It is. As we move into Pride. Oh, my gosh. I just can't believe we're about to be in the sixth month of the year. It's weird. Halfway through, baby. Ooh. I mean, I'm I'm feeling the summer vibes right now. Pop open the never mind. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's in 30 minutes. More on mental health days off of work. Plus, Real Housewives meets OnlyFans equals lots of drama. That's coming up in the T Report with Char in a moment. But first, let's get into some other drama with what's trending this hour. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell shared his thoughts on whether Republicans should punish Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene for her comments comparing masks to the Holocaust. Well, she doesn't serve in the Senate, but um, this is one of a frequent outbursts that are absolutely outrageous and reprehensible. But any punishment, I assume, would have to be administered by the House. Would you recommend anything? I mean, I'm surprised he called it even that. He showed a bit of a human response. I'm I'm not impressed by anything. I just need to see Marjorie gone. I mean, what else is she going to do? What's it going to take? I, I do, that's the thing. It's the big tent party. That's been the, the, the biggest mistake, I believe, of, of the Republican Party is saying that they're a big tent party and they welcome all because the insurrectionists are there. White supremacists are there. Like, where does They're the collecting line? all of those? But that's what folks. I'm saying. Where where's the line? Yeah. Where do you all draw the line? It's it's a little crazy over there right now. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to some. I guess semi good news. A Texas House committee voted not to advance a Senate approved bill to the full House that would have banned transgender student athletes from competing in sports within their gender identity. The bill and many others like it have faced opposition from parents, activists, and transgender Texans who say it is cruel, targets vulnerable children, and would deprive them of the benefits that come with sports. So that hit a roadblock today. And the gay trans panic defense, where someone accused of a murder could claim the sexuality or gender identity of their victim was to blame for their actions has been made illegal in Oregon. 
I, you know what, Shira, that is one of the, I guess, laws. I don't even know if I'm using that word correctly, but that that's something that still sh- rattles me to my core. The yeah. fact that that was even a thing to begin with. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're saying that murder is justifiable based on someone's gender, identity, or sexual and or sexual orientation. That's wild to me that that was even a thing. And so many people historically have probably walked away scot-free, you know, consequence free because of this. It's wild. And there's only 14 states who have this now. 14 too many. (laughs) <laughs> no meaning who who have jumped on board to end it. Oh, so there's okay. many to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it just goes to show where where we are, I guess, socially. It's it's very sad and it's disheartening. Oh my gosh, where's the sunshine? We need to find some sunshine. It's been a lot of doom and gloom. Well, uh <laughs> let's let's give a shout out to Oregon for at least doing the right thing. Yes, yes. Well, here's some sunshine. Your tea report. Oh my goodness. Is there sunshine here? Well, I don't know, child. Larsa Pippen <laughs> is one of the hottest of messes that I've come across in a minute. You know, I didn't really pay attention to Larsa until she hooked up with the Kardashians and they dropped her like a hot potato. She was moving a little uh, sloppily. You know, she used to be like joined at the hip with Kim for a few years. Like she was like at the holiday parties. She was with the girls. So she's a socialite. She is. And Larsa Pippen, for those who do, do not know, is Scottie Pippen's ex-wife. Got it. And they have, I believe, four children together. They got divorced around 2018. But anyway, um, she's accused or and this might be the truth. You know, don't hate the player, hate the game. But she might be capitalizing off of her affair with 20-something-year-old Malik Beasley. Now, I don't know if you all remember this, but back in November, uh, she was photographed holding hands with this basketball star that's half her age. He ditched his family. Hello. Kicked, kicked his... Uh, I don't can't remember if it was his wife. I think it was his wife. Oh. And their newborn out of his home and made way for Larsa. It's just like, where do you even like where's your conscience? Even just She was a housewife. Though. Well, she is affiliated. In the housewives thing. She is in the Housewives cinematic universe, but okay. for Real Housewives of Miami, which airs exclusively on Peacock, not on Bravo. I'm trying to keep up here. And I think she's a friend of the show. I don't know if she holds a peach, so to speak. You know how the Real Housewives hold, you know, in their title cards. But anyway, she has an OnlyFans, and she says that she doesn't care what anyone has to say. She posted this to her social media, and she claims that her OnlyFans uh, will be behind the scenes of her wild life and showing off personal swimsuits and lingerie, live chats, and personal DMs where where she gets to talk. She wants to show women all over the world, no matter where they are, that they can be sexy and and successful. So subscribe to her page. Now, this comes off of the heels of her being dragged, okay? On Monday, um, this- Well, because she and Malik Beasley broke up. So once it became public knowledge, she launched her OnlyFans. That's what's sensational about this. But what I have to say is the 23-year-old ex of Malik Beasley took to her Instagram. And this is what she said, a direct quote. She called Larsa an old, desperate, thirsty ass, ran through blow-up doll. Oh, no. Now you want to talk about a read. Welcome to Channel Q. Welcome to Channel Q. Larsa then responded. I mean, you all really like... I could talk about this for 10 minutes, but we don't have time. But just know it's drama, it's mess, it's sloppy. And, you know, we're going to keep Larsa lifted because she seems to be very, very controversial. She can't move without causing controversy. But it kind of, I saw it eye her. I don't like the way she's moving in these streets. Why is she? does she still have her ex's last name? Well, I mean, that's what carries her. I mean, if she went to Larsa, that, I don't know that's her. That's weird. Like, I, if imagine I married Brad Pitt. Shira Pitt. Continuing that? No, that's Oh, strange. I would. 
I would. Are you kidding me? That is awkward. Especially if that's part of my branding. I certainly would. If Larsa's maiden name, for example, is Anderson, no one cares. Larsa Anderson, the ex-wife of Pippin. But the Pippin name is what keeps her what keeps her going. That's, gr- that's a bit gross. I don't know. Good for her on the OnlyFans thing. Th- that's what keeps her. Well, we'll see you if she gets... You can make that money... On OnlyFans, go for it. You think people will subscribe? She's not showing any nudity, and OnlyFans really is like... Just a little tease. You think people will pay for that? Yep. In today's day and age? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Just like limit the other stuff and then put more on OnlyFans. Anyway. I feel like the girls on OnlyFans want to see skin, honey. Not no lingerie. I'll show a shoulder. (laughs) Not for $12.99 a month. (laughs) Uh, That's a hot shoulder. Well, uh, coming up, we've been talking a lot about Pride. We're about to get into it. How companies should be celebrating Pride and not just capitalizing off of it. We're going to be talking about tokenism and authenticity. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Another Pride Month is upon us, which means, you know, rainbow capitalism is here. So how can companies celebrate versus capitalize on the LGBTQ plus community and take advantage or just show up and then peace out? Kristen Voorhees is with us, director at the PR agency Clyde Group and co-founder of The Crew, a community group for queer women in Washington, D.C. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So you're in this industry and working with a ton of brands, I assume. How are you helping folks and these companies work with Pride and approach Pride this season? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, the most important thing to keep in mind is authenticity. Very, very often, um, you know, companies will slap a rainbow flag on all of their products for the month of June make a quick buck off, off of it and um, not really support the LGBTQ community that they are, you know, so uh, uh, that they that they think that they actually support. And so um, parts of the ways that we help our, our clients and, and that we encourage other companies to to really identify the most authentic way to to talk uh, to their comp- to their uh, communities is through um, really understanding who they're talking to. Um, messaging um, is really, really important. Consistency and alignment with um, the audiences that the companies are really trying to 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 approach. So, if you're um, really trying to get to the LGBTQ community, your messaging needs to be intersectional. Um, you know, there it also needs to really acknowledge and support queer people um, for you know how what they've been through over the past couple of years. Um, and so, those are a couple of ways that it's really uh, important to to. Um, you know, talk through with um, your your PR agency and your communications people to make sure that you're creating a, a campaign that's as intersectional and as, as authentic as possible. How important is diversity, inclusion, and equity work? I know that it, that seems to be a big, big talking point, and a lot of positions were created within the last calendar year to ensure, uh, like you mentioned uh, just now about inclusion in a lot of these spaces, but how important is that um, within the actual workspace? Like, it's one thing to create products and and uh, give back to the community, but it's another to actually have LGBT people working and, and, and being present in these boardrooms, like how, how does that show up this pride season? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think you hit the nail right on the head because pride, um, you know, pride is one month and it's one month that we get to celebrate, you know, our, our uh, community and the diversity within its community. But I think especially after, you know, the past 
um, few years and the the most recent years of uh, this past year of uh, ways of racial injustice, you know, um, there's a, a lot more focus on on corporate uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think that you know any company that has um, engaged in any DEI commitments over the past year has absolutely no excuse to engage in um, you know tokenistic marketing uh, of uh, towards LGBTQ people just around Pride Month. And so the way that uh, companies can really be again authentic in their outreach to LGBTQ people is to hire LGBTQ people is to include those voices not just in the representation of their PR campaigns through Pride, but also throughout all of their campaigns all year, and also having voices in the room when those campaigns are being created and just having those um, voices be centered and amplified throughout the entire year, not just through Pride. Yeah, definitely. And and the intersectionality of it is so important, too, because you could have queer representation, but then if it's just the same types of queer folks, then are you really representing everyone? And honestly, I'd like to see the trans flag on more things. Like, I mean, it's there for a reason. You know, like everything doesn't have to be so, uh, I guess, one palette, so to speak, when it comes to to Pride Month, especially given that trans women kicked off Pride as we know it Uh for everyone. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah. like, you, again, like, that's a really good point. You know, Pride was a riot, and that's a nod to the obser- uh, the observance of, you know, origins in Stonewall Uprising, which was a direct response to police brutality mm-hmm. and specifically um, towards trans women of color. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, so any sort of Pride or uh, Pride campaign or any sort of company outreach to LGBTQ people has to be intersectional. It mm-hmm. has to be. Um, it's not going to be accepted by the LGBTQ community. And frankly, I, I would say that it's not going to be accepted for, you know, in broader society. I mean, people are really looking to companies now more than ever to um, align with their values. And this this rise in uh, stakeholder capitalism, as it's called, it's not only, you know, um, going to help the bottom line of these of these companies, which, of course, they care about. But it's going to hurt their bottom line if they if they do not um, show up again authentically and in a way that is inclusive and intersectional for queer people. Yep, that's mm-hmm. for sure. That was Kristen Voorhees from Clyde Group and co-founder of The Crew in Washington, D.C. Thanks for being here with us and happy early Pride. Thanks. Thank Take you, care. Kristen. Now, want to take a mental health day off of work? We tell you the best day of the week to ask for a break, according to experts. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're about to talk about mental health days. So important. And that's because nearly half of working Americans report feeling mentally and physically drained at the end of the workday. About one in three report uh, remote employees report often feeling tired or having little energy. And that's according to a March survey by the Society for Human Resource Management. And we don't even need this study to know it because... We feel it. We We experience experience it. it. Like, I've gotten to the point, in all honesty, where Tuesdays are dedicated to writing. That's why I'm writing right now. Um, I have to stop working from home. As soon as things kind of started to open up, just even in the slightest, I go to now, like, a facility to like a, I'm not going to say I don't want to like give you them mean free just like advertising. A, a space, not like a mental health facility. Oh no, not a mental. But I'd, I'd go. I have to get out of my apartment. It got yes. so I got so tired of choosing whether I'm working from my bedroom or my living room, and I realize that that's an immense privilege given all that's taken oh, yeah. place. But I just my productivity was like not 
there. There was no inspiration. Totally. There was no motivation. And it really was sucking the life force out of me. So now I literally pay to go to a place uh, every Tuesday to work. And the motivation is that I paid. So you can't be there messing around, oh, you know, yeah. on Twitter all day. Like you, you dropped thirty dollars for this, so you got to crunch it out. And uh, I'm on deadline and That's stuff. Great. So it's yeah, it's it hasn't been easy. You're doing what you got to do. That pays for your sanity. That's for sure. I just Something. hate that we didn't we didn't get a collective break. Like the bills are still due, right. and we're in a deadly One health year pandemic. Off after a year of madness, <laughs> Melanie Wilding is with us, who's a licensed social worker, executive coach, author of, and I love the title of this book: Trust Yourself. Stop overthinking and channel your emotions for success at work. Melody, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So how do you know if you need a mental health day? Or you should just maybe just wait for the weekend or your next vacay? Well, it's always good to be building in mental health days as a regular practice. But some signs that you need a mental health day is that you're just foggy. Your brain is not working in the way that it usually does. You're not as sharp and focused. And another would be greater emotional reactivity. If you're finding yourself feeling snappy or you're getting Mm -hmm. aggravated easily with your colleagues, both really good signs that it's time to take a break. I'm so proud of my team because we've created so much awareness on our team that our, you know, producer Vanessa is taking mental health day, Ryan, I just, you know, do my thing. (laughs) But, and they know it. In the past, we've just used each other as punching bags, let's be honest. Because we love each other, but, you know, we go through a lot here. So I'm so proud of the team. I just want to acknowledge the team for doing what they got to do. And we have a healthy, functional team here. Well, transparency is key. I have to ask, <laughs> I have to ask what is the best day, in your opinion, to ask for when it, comes, when it comes to mental health days? Or does it even matter? Any day is better than no day. But in general, I would recommend focusing on a Monday or a Friday so that you can make it more of an extension of your weekend. Mm, Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. And of course, if you're going off the rocker, tomorrow is the day, any day, right? I mean, at that point, you just take the next day off. Yeah, exactly. You take what you can get. I find midweek Wednesdays could be a bit disruptive. Is that the case? Wednesdays are hard because you are coming down from the day before and it's almost like you have to ramp up for the next day. So it can almost be like you're not actually getting enough time to disconnect. Yeah. So what's the best way to approach your boss around a mental health day? I mean, I feel like some companies are very Mm -hmm. open about this and some some are unforgiving and jerks about it. (laughs) Yes. No matter what you do don't have to explain yourself. It is completely fine to approach your boss and just very plainly say, I'm going to be taking next Friday off and leave it at that. You don't have to provide a reason. You don't have to explain why you're doing it for your mental health or what you'll be Mm -hmm. doing with that time. But you do do need to make sure that your boss knows how is the work going to be covered and who can people talk to or contact in your absence. Great tip. There you go. Right to it. Melody Wilding. Check out her book, Trust Yourself, Stop Overthinking, and Channel Your Emotions for Success at Work. We appreciate you. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, good stuff. So coming up, what is chuggy? It's this new term that Gen Zers are talking about, but what does it it all mean? burning passion. We're getting into that next. (laughs) Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're about to introduce all of you to a hot term called Shugi. And the fact that we're talking about this on the radio and within the timeline that we are talking about it makes it all Shugi. And you're going to understand why I say that 
right now. <laughs> I hate this word with a passion. So. I came across chuggy a few weeks ago. It sounds oh. like loogie. It's so ugly. It is weird. It's one of those words like moist that people don't like to hear or say. Oh, yeah. But go ahead, Shira. C-H-E-U-G-Y. Chuggy. Uh. So it was actually coined by a 23-year-old white woman in 2013 while she was a student at Beverly Hills High School. And according to the New York Times, though, it made a comeback recently, it can be used broadly to describe someone who is out of date or trying too hard. And so, according to many reports and through evidence, Gen Z is using this against millennials like us, Shar. I'm a proud millennial. Yes, I'm an elder millennial to make fun <laughs> of us and call us out. But over, to, but over trivial things yes. like side parts and skinny jeans. Yes. Like, give me a break. They are making accusations. Who doesn't like a, a good deep side part? That skinny jeans and side parts. <laughs> Liking Disney. Saying rosé all day. Having wooden signs that say <laughs> relax in your bedroom make you chuggy. Okay. Well, give me some money so I can uh, remodel some things. First of all, I'm not big on the signs, Okay. I totally agree with that. That might be chuggy. If I walk in your apartment and I see the live, laugh, love posted on the wall. like I'm laughing because (laughs) I bought two of those um, at a very cute little market. It was like locally made. Okay. Uh, It wasn't like one of those generic things. Okay. Uh, And so I was supporting, you know, um, a... uh, a homemaker of some sorts. Okay. <laughs> whatever, one of those uh, creatives. But uh, I have it next to my uh, bed. So when they, when they yeah, said the wooden signs, I'm I like, agree. Uh-huh. I agree with that. Uh, yeah. But liking Disney? What's wrong with liking Disney? Who doesn't, who in their right mind doesn't like a good Disney film? We were all raised on them. The Lion King, The Little Mermaid, Snow White, etc., etc., etc. That is just wrong. I mean, a lot of people Aladdin. do cancel Disney right now. I mean, yeah, Disney, now let me tell you something. Disney's past isn't squeaky clean, but at this point, give me a network or a production studio who's it, whose past is squeaky clean. They all got issues. But I just think, you know what? You know what? To the Gen Zers who might be listening, more power to you. You all are the future. So if I'm chuggy, I guess I'll sit in that, even though that's such a detestable, like, ugh. I, I hate that. Like, this is such an ugly word. I'm they, sorry. they also say it's, yeah, it's the opposite of trendy, trying too hard. Why is it that young folks think we try too hard? And is it just every generation thinks the older generation tries too hard? Well, no, because I didn't think that way about the generation before me. I didn't think that they tried too hard. Um, it, I guess it just depends. You know, there's always, you know, certain members of the generation that do a little too much, you know, who show up. Hey, kids, you know, like that type thing. Like, you know, you got to hang out with your peers. Come on back. Draw it on back. You know, you're out there a little hard. But the thing is, I appreciate someone who can appreciate the youth. Right. Like, I don't think you always need to act your age. It's about that balance of being your age while having and embracing your childlike self young at heart well the youth they're really the future and they they teach me different things but i mean there are i guess there are certain people who try too hard or who who may try to hang around gen zers and be about the lingo and yo 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 that's a bit too much but I'm just saying there are certainly millennials who are probably hanging around Gen Z crowds. I see it with the influencers all the time. Oh, my goodness. Those influencers and makeup gurus and stuff, they make the blogs and make the news. I follow some gossip channels and I'm like, oh, you need to be up there with the 35-year-olds, not down at the at the TikTok house in Beverly Hills with 19-year-olds. What do you all have in common? Why are you hanging out? 
the what fact that they common? all want views. <laughs> But it's a little weird. Let's admit it's a little weird. (laughs) Optics-wise, it's a little weird. So let us know what you think about Chugi. Are you Chugi? Are you embracing your Chugi-ness? Please. At LGT Show is where you can find us on social media. Slide into our DMs. Oh, we're going to shout out someone the next hour who actually DM'd us about one of our convos yesterday. Okay, so we see you, we hear from you, we bring you on the show. But coming up next, how activists are fighting Arkansas over the ban on gender-affirming health care. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, it's Shira. Ryan is out, but Char Giselle is filling in today as we get into the cicadas. Oh, my gosh. You know, these insects that are flying around, everyone's freaking out. We had to cover it on Let's Go There. So stick around to find out more about the cicadas in um, 15 minutes. I have a history with cicadas, so I can't wait to to take a deep dive into these little monsters. Shout yeah. out to Gaga, who's just playing, by the way. There you, that's a good time. <laughs> I'm not calling her fans cicadas, by the way. Please don't attack me. <laughs> Plus, at the end of the hour, we're speaking to the co-founder of Out Loud, the big pride celebration that Channel Q is part of with both Ryan and Shar. Oh, yes. Yes, that's at the Ryan's end of the promo hour. keeps running. Where's mine? You know, you're I can't, here. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Ryan is, is the flagship host. Ex- yeah, but you're here, too. Yes, but still. All hail the sleigh god. We love you, Ryan. I know you're listening. Shout out. <laughs> Coming uh, now is the what's trending this hour. Okay, Governor Greg Abbott isn't supporting defunding the police, and he wants to make sure you don't either. I'm about to sign a law uh, that will ensure that cities in the state of Texas uh, will not be able to defund police. First, the context, and that is that you pointed out what's going on in Minneapolis, where it is both a tragedy and a disaster, uh, what's going on for the residents of Minneapolis because of the defunding of police. And you've seen the same thing in Portland and Seattle and Chicago and New York, et cetera. Harris, unfortunately, we had the same thing happen here in the state of Texas, where the city of Austin defunded police, which is why you saw that uh, tragic situation uh, reported in Austin, Texas. Well, I'm so sick of him. I really am. Between the things that he said about trans youth and heavily policing women's bodies and their right to choose, it's just... And and if if I'm not mistaken, he's trying to push through a a bill where teachers can't, like in public schools, can't talk about current events and and race-related things. Like, come on, dude. What? It's it's a mess. And speaking (sighs) of a mess... The ACLU filed a lawsuit today on behalf of four transgender youth and their families, as well as two doctors, challenging an Arkansas law that prohibits healthcare professionals from providing or even referring transgender young people for medically necessary health care. The bill also bars any state funds or insurance coverage for gender affirming health care for transgender people under 18. It would allow private insurers to refuse coverage for gender affirming care for actually people of any age. The lawsuit was filed in a federal court, alleges that the bill violates the U.S. Constitution. It's wild. Yeah. And uh, this is the first of many legal challenges that the ACLU is approaching in response to a record-setting year of legislative attacks on the trans community, specifically trans youth across the country. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Shar? I feel like I need to make a quick correction because I said how uh, Texas Mm. is affecting women. And I should say people who can get pregnant because... 
the right to choose yes. is not exclusive to women. So, Lindsay Lohan, I'm such a huge fan of the Lohan cinematic universe, as I made reference to. I keep saying the cinematic universe. Chugi. You're also, a Chugi. I, but listen, I love Lindsay Lohan's work. You do? Like, from like 15 years ago, yes. Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, Mean Girls. Lindsay is great. Um, the Parent Trap, or whatever it was called. I love Lindsay Lohan. She was on a roll. Yeah, but she's coming back. Hey, you know, we're, I'm open to it. We're making a departure from the Lindsay Lohan Beach Club that took place on MTV. We also wanted to go there. Oh, she shut it down too quickly. Yeah, anyway, well, she's coming to Netflix. The streamer confirmed on Monday that the actress will star in an upcoming romantic comedy. And yes, it will be holiday-themed, a la The Christmas Prince Ooh. and The Princess Switch. Lindsay Lohan will star in um, the comedy uh, about a newly engaged, spoiled hotel heiress who finds herself in the care of a handsome blue-collar lodge owner and his precocious daughter after getting total amnesia in a skiing accident. Now, I know this is going to be on Netflix, but this sounds very Hallmark Channel. This sounds Sounds right up... like the 90s. But it sounds right up Candace Cameron Bure's alley. Like, this is very Hallmark Channel, but... I will be watching, and according to Variety, the movie will not go into production until around November, so it probably won't drop in time for the 2021 holiday season. So maybe we'll wait till, or maybe it'll be expedited. Who knows? You know, you get the right team of editors and the right film crew, but you also know, we also know Lindsay has a history of being tardy to the set. And sometimes oh, yeah. not showing up. Like, you remember her docuseries on the OWN Network a decade ago? I did never when watch Oprah it. had to check her. Oh, oh, you I missed out on some that good TV. That was because TV. she was like in her in her thing. You she missed out on some a, good a TV. Things in you her missed life. out on some good TV. Shira. I'm not going to say she was doing drugs and alcohol, but well, allegedly, this yeah, was allegedly. a decade ago. The OWN Network launched in t- 2011, so this is literally like filming uh, Lindsay. So, I mean, who's to say? We we don't know when we'll get this film, but I am looking forward to it. I want to see who's going to be starring alongside her, and I just hope that I get my my Lindsay back. Like I was really rooting for her, and I continue to root for hey, Lindsay. I think she has a chance. Who's going to be the blue collar worker? She falls oh, in love. God, with. who knows? <laughs> Oh, Netflix. Okay. Uh, coming up, what you need to know about the cicada insect invasion. We've got you covered next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Cicadas in Iowa have emerged millions, maybe billions of these insects after 17 years underground. This is freaking out a lot of people, making headlines. Shar, you have a personal yeah, story with yeah. the cicadas. I'm, you know, I'm from Chicago, and uh, I can vividly remember these things. The the creepy shells that cling to the trees, oh. and sometimes... It, I felt like growing up, I saw the shells more than I saw the actual bugs. But the actual bugs are terrifying. They are heavy. Yeah. They fly. They scream. You can hear them. Like, they, they literally... I'll play a soundbite because I know that you nor producer Vanessa grew up with cicadas. You should get a sound on your phone and play it against your mic. We'll do really um, modern technology here. Style. (laughs) Elizabeth Barnes joins us, Purdue University entomology educator. Thanks for joining us today for this. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Always glad to talk about cicadas. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're an expert at it. Congratulations. This is your time to shine. So what is a cicada exactly? Like, describe what it is, because people might maybe be thinking about the, uh, what's the, the murder hornets? Locusts in the roach family. Like, what what exactly are these things? Um. Well, so they there. If anybody knows what a plant hopper looks like, you can sometimes find them on your trees. It's 
kind of like a really big plant hopper. Um, they have these really kind of stout, sturdy bodies and these long, clear wings. Um, and they're they're just sort of bumbling, in my view, sweet bugs that don't really do too much damage. And they don't bite, they don't sting, nothing like that. So you but don't need to be afraid of them. But have you ever had one fly up on you or fly into you like I have <laughs> while I was riding my bike? Okay, yes, I, I have... It did startle me. As much as I love insects, I don't love it when I get a surprise insect on me all of a sudden. So I do sympathize with that. How big are they? Like, if we had on on your hand, like... They take up your palm. to something. (laughs) A palm? (laughs) They're they're about as big as your thumb, I would say. It's it's a good way to think of them. They're not... They're not massive, but they are one of the larger insects that we tend to see. Okay. So, so seasonally. Okay. So why do these things, so correct me if I'm wrong, they emerge from the depths of the soil every so often. They mate, they die, and then they return to the soil. Like how, how does this seasonally affect, I guess, like agriculture? You say they don't bite, they don't sting, but like. Uh, this is maybe a question you can't answer, but what's the purpose of these things? Why do they exist? <laughs> well, um, so in terms of what their life cycle looks like, um, the 17-year cicadas are really a kind of special type of cicada. Um, we do also have annual cicadas that come out every year. But the 17-year cicadas, as their name suggests, they only come up out of the ground every 17 years. Um, they come up, start screaming in the trees, mate, lay eggs, and then they die. And their eggs hatch out of the tree branches, fall into the soil, and then they live underground feeding on the tree roots for another 17 years. So cycle repeats all wow. over again. So Okay, so explain uh, to me, if you don't mind, explain to me, what, what are the shells? Why, why are they de-shelling? Because the shell, the, their shells are everywhere. That's what I see. I don't know if you heard my intro, but I, I grew up in Chicago, and I vividly remember seeing the shells everywhere, but not necessarily the bug. And then when I encountered the bug, I almost crashed my bicycle into a... Shara's getting very <laughs> triggered by this story. I am. I'm fidgeting. <laughs> They're so... Uh... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can understand... I can, again, I love insects myself, but I can understand um, why people find them unnerving. Um, that shell is because they, they go through... Um, a process where they molt their their skins when they become an adult. So it's kind of the same idea as with a butterfly, oh. which comes out of a chrysalis into an adult, except for with the cicadas, they look a lot more like their adult form as nymphs. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and if you look up really closely to those, if you're someone who's okay with looking up closely <laughs> to those shells, they're actually this amazingly, like, perfect, um, cast of mm-hmm. the cicada nymph. There are still like little hairs. You can see their lungs. You can just see all the little details right mm-hmm. there. But, you know, not alive anymore. Just the shell. So is this uh, a reason to be concerned? We, I mean, we're talking millions, billions. Where are they going to be? What should people watch out for? Or we just need to welcome them in? Most people don't need to be concerned at all. Um, people who have just planted very young trees might want to cover them up with netting. Um, when the cicadas lay their eggs, they have this um, body part called an ovipositor, which is like this kind of long, thick 
needle that they stab into the tree branches to lay their eggs, and that can do a little bit of damage on young trees. Um, But most people, they they don't need to be worried. Um, They can be kind of annoying if they fly into you. The noise is quite loud. But if you can kind of um, accept those, you really just... (laughs) can enjoy it have some fun have a you know bit of cicada ice cream something like that Excuse whatever the people me? in your oh, area are doing. can you eat Wait them <laughs> yes Wait, so um, you can yeah, they're not poisonous so, and what about for your animal well so um you you can definitely eat them um few caveats if you're allergic to shellfish don't eat cicadas or any other insects because oh you're probably gosh. allergic to them too um, and then make sure you're choosing, you know, healthy individuals. Use all the same precautions you would when harvesting something from the wild. But there's a long history of people eating cicadas, basically as far back as we have um, written or oral records. Okay, and okay. They're, they're considered quite a tasty little snack. Hey, if, How, if, what if you, it, you're hungry, you got to eat. No, 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 because I'm a shellfish nista, okay? Oh. Uh, what do these things, do you know what these things taste like? Not that I've ever tried. I'm not eating a bug. I just can't bring myself. I've seen people eat grilled tarantulas and things. Like I watched the little, you know, Anthony Bourdain, the dearly departed, when he was all over the world trying the exotic foods. What do cicadas taste like? Do you know? Well, different people describe it different ways. Um, but I, I would say kind of think of it the same way you would a shrimp. Oh, you just ruined um, or, shrimp for me. Or a lobster. Oh, I'm this sorry. is why I'm a vegetarian oh, slash vegan. You just ruined shrimp for me. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Uh, I'm going to be thinking about cicada. <laughs> you know, the peel and eat shrimp when you go to the crab boil. Yeah. I'm going to be because the, the shrimp shell kind of looks cicada-like yeah. when I think about it. <laughs> like the cicada <laughs> shell casing. Oh, my gosh. Just avoid all living things elizabeth barnes thank Plants you so much for being here. <laughs> i mean thank you for having me thank you uh elizabeth is from purdue university uh, she's oh. an entomology educator coming up on the show people are calling out the dead celebrities who we should stop treating like saints more on the viral reddit thread and what names are on the list sick. that's next let's go there with shira and ryan channel q This question on Reddit recently went viral, and it's a great conversation starter. We're going to talk about it right now. This user, MrZ6000, posed a question to the internet. Which dead celebrities are treated like saints, but were truly awful people when they were alive? Well, get your answers ready and DM us at LGT Show. But we're going to go through some of these. I want to get your take. Yeah, this is damning. I'm literally looking at this list and I'm like, oh, wow. This, I knew some of this, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't know some of this, if you know what I'm exactly. you're picking up what I'm putting down. Which is why I thought we should go through this. This thread got 40,000 responses. So a lot of people have a lot to say about this. But let's start with this one Dr. Seuss. And it's not just because I know one of his books has, was problematic. Yeah. But, I mean, it's from a different era. Mm-hmm. But it was because of him as a person. He had an affair for years while his wife battled cancer, according to this user, drove her to suicide, married the woman he'd been having the affair with a couple of months later. I see one. Coco Chanel, who we all know is a revered fashion icon, um, is also a Nazi sympathizer. But there's an editor's note that says there's evidence to suggest that Coco Chanel was more than just a sympathizer, but an actual Nazi agent. What? Yes. So, like, the double C. Does this mean 
that we're not going to buy Chanel anymore. Oh, people are still going to buy Chanel. This one really threw me off. It's about Paul Walker. Did you see that one? To say okay, that you, one. That you also it. made me so sad. You take it. You take it. The I'll late pick another Paul one. Walker. Oh, obviously, all these people are late. <laughs> these I'll are pick not another here. one. Uh, this person said, I hate saying it because outside of this incident, he actually seemed like a good guy. But on two occasions, Paul Walker dated 16-year-old girls. Once mm-hmm. when he was 28... Again, when he was 33, this was all while he had a young daughter of his own. The age of consent in California is, of course, 18. What? No. That's a sad one. That is not only sad, it is disgusting. Um, I know about Elvis. Let me see. This list is Yeah, there's just... some obvious ones. Like Steve Jobs. We all know that he, you know, he was, we know he wasn't a good family man or uh, a boss. You know who someone called out? Mother Teresa. She, no, people what did were actually Teresa saying, do? I mean, I'm not surprised, but what did she do? That she abused the sick, denied them pain-relieving and life-saving treatments, somehow projected such a holy and helpful face to the world. So many suffered. I feel like this ruins history for me. Bing Crosby, father of the century, he was physically and mentally abusive to his kids, an adulterer and an alleged slimy businessman, which I feel like is part of the course given the time he was alive. Um, I just feel like there's so many men who fit that bill. Um, yes, and a lot of I mean, there are no besides Coco Chanel and Mother Teresa. And there are no other women on this. <laughs> So what is the consensus here? <sighs> that there's a lot of men doing shady stuff. Yeah, the writing's on the wall. There's, but for for those of you who are interested, this is a BuzzFeed write-up. They got Prince on here, Frank Sinatra. The list goes on and on and on. Sean Connery, Elvis. We all knew Elvis was problematic, child. Um, so yes, it's 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 just all over. Johnny Carson. You know, father of late night, yeah. so to speak. It's he was surprising. a serial cheater and, you know, he was slimy to Joan Rivers. Well, let us well, know. Joan what... Rivers is no saint either. So yeah. that's, uh, that's someone who could have been on this list. If we're, <laughs> if we're being honest, talking about women. Well, rest in peace. And, uh, you know, let us all learn from their mistakes and do better. Let us know uh, what you think about this list. Who do you think uh, would make it? And who would you add? Let us know. I want to know some more tea. Exactly. At LGT Show is where you could slide into our DMs. But coming up, more on the Out Loud Pride celebration that is happening June 4th with Adam Lambert and so many more, including Char and Ryan. Oh, yes. We've got the co-founder of Out Loud joining us next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Pride is starting early here on Channel Q. Well, we do it 24-7. You know how it goes. But we wanted to highlight some amazing events coming up, including Out Loud Raising Voices, live three-day concert event at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum in downtown Los Angeles, June 4th to 6th. And, you know, Channel Q's one of the partners, our own Ryan Mitchell and Char Giselle are co-hosting. Along with Hannah Rad. Amazing. She's big on um, on the Twitch, hosting live streams and things okay, like I'll, that. I'll be there celebrating. Okay. Uh, and Looking drinking. Looking forward to it. <laughs> well, the co-founder of Out Loud and president of JJLA joins us right now to tell us more. Jeff Consolotti, Consoletti, sorry. Yes. Welcome to the yes. show. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. Hi, my fave. Yes. How are you? How are you both doing? 
Jeff, it's a good day to be Sharjah Cell, I'll tell you that much. I'm running off three hours of sleep, but I'm hanging in there. It's good to talk to you. Same, girl, same. And Shira, <laughs> duh, of course you'll be on site dancing away. I better see a ton of your TikToks. Oh, yeah, yes, uh, okay, a lot of dancing. live from out loud. You know how I roll. So <laughs> tell folks about this year, because last year was the launch, right? I mean... <laughs> Still feels like a lot. Am I right? I mean, first of all, are we so excited that we're able to talk about something that's actually happening live and in person, mm-hmm. which I think is uh, is still kind of shocking to me. And I feel like we are waking up Los Angeles uh, with a live and in person event, um, which which it is only fitting that we're doing it with all of our pride partners and as a kickoff to pride month. So that's what's that's what's I think most exciting to me. Um, but yeah, let's talk talk a little bit about raising voices, right? We started the series last year, um, really in place of as you guys know, we uh, we do a ton of work. We're really lucky to do a ton of work supporting uh, great pride organizations and pride events from around the country. Um, not to mention work within the LGBTQ community pretty regularly, especially supporting a variety of nonprofit organizations. So we founded uh, Raising Voices with the intent to connect queer artists and musicians, of which we work with all the time, um, to those organizations and to the brands that wanted to be involved, really as a platform that could exist outside of just Pride Month. We were able to do that last year with Facebook in lieu of Pride events really happening. And we were like, how do we amplify it this year and not realizing that we were going to have an opportunity to invite an audience to be in person, we created this great partnership with Twitch to, uh, to stream globally, which was uh, even raising our voices bigger than we were able to last year, um, present all of these artists in great collaboration with Stonewall Day and Feel Something Foundation and Adam Lambert. So we grew to this like pretty Im- incredible three-day stream event. And then lo and behold, uh, especially here in California, we've been opening up and just showing all this progression as we move out of out of what the disaster of the past year has been, you know? So, okay, so we got to get so, yeah. to the amazing artists that are performing. Yes, and, the lineup. Yes, because Adam Lambert's even curating an, an incredible group as well. Correct. So Adam, um, Adam has been working with our amazing partners at Stonewall Day, um, which is a national organization that uh, really that was really created to amplify other organizations. So there's a lot of synergy between how uh, Artie and I, my co-executive producer, founded um, Out Loud and what Stonewall Day does. And Adam has been working with them for the better half of six or eight months. Um, he has uh, he's been working in hand with their national beneficiaries, which are two ama- amazing trans organizations, mm. uh, Trans Tech Social and Trans Lash. And he's put together this uh, incredible roster, including artists Kim Petras, Vincent, Zavia Ward, Sam Sparrow, Angel Bonilla, Bonilla Shelley Wright, um, a, and like a pretty great handful of surprise guests that are also going to be appearing. Um, for Sunday. So it's a pretty awesome lit up lineup. 
Amazing. Well, we always appreciate you being here. We love what you're up to. That was Jeff Consoletti, co-founder of OutLoud. I'm excited to see you there, and I want to see you all out there. WeAreOutLoud.com is where you can get tickets for this in-person June 4th to 6th, Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum in downtown LA. Also, you can catch it live streaming. Twitch. If you can't make it. Yes. We're encouraging everyone to come on out, though. Yes. First, come on out yes. in person. Because it's going to be a party. If you're listening somewhere else not in L.A. and you can't make, you know, fly yeah. out here. Twitch.tv slash officially out loud to Jeff. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. My pleasure. Can't wait to see you all June 4th through 6th. Let's party for pride. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are wrapping up the show as we always do with some positivity and inspiration with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Okay, okay, sure. Okay, I was a little tardy. <laughs> in the name of Ryan. Sorry, Ryan. Well, we love to feature uh, those in the LGBTQ plus community doing great things. And this Yaz Queen goes to Jose Rolone, a.k.a. at NYC Gay Dad. You better follow him on Instagram and TikTok. He's got like over 200,000 followers and he shows what life is like as a single gay dad with fun videos of his life. So that's why people follow him? Yeah, pretty much. Representation. He must be conventionally attractive. And he's also good looking. That's what I'm like. <laughs> he's a father okay. of three. He's the host oh, of wow. the, yeah, In the Know digital series, Parenting Wins, a public speaker and advocate for LGBTQ+, Latinx, and BIPOC populations. Oh, so it's more than just him being a dad. And he's a father of three and that's single? That's what I'm talking about. Oh, how does he do it? No, thank you. Hard pass. Or God bless him. I would say he's probably getting a lot of messages from I'm, folks I'm, who I'm sure. uh, sure. want to have a family. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. But unfortunately, he, he has found love again. He has uh, a lover, an Argentinian Spanish language teacher named Pablo. And he revealed this in a recent essay. He's not a single dad. Yeah, uh, Meaning he's a partner, but maybe not. Uh, partner, you know, uh, father to the children. Okay. Because he's still not a single dad. He has a partner. He, all right. I'm not getting into <laughs> the details of his relationship, but you got to follow him. Definitely empowering and fun at NYC Gay Dad. You get our Yaz Queen of the day. And that does it for our show today. But All we are right. back tomorrow. Ryan and- will be back. Shar is yes. out. So those of you who have not enjoyed my stay here, you can rejoice. Let no. the confetti cannon fly. <laughs> Ryan will be back holding down the microphone tomorrow. So excited for him. You will be missed. It's been a pleasure having <laughs> you here. You are fabulous, as always. Thank you, Shara. And find Shar on social media. Yeah, Shar says so. It's that easy. I just, oh yeah, by the way, go to them.us. I just wrote a, a good piece about Elliot Page. Okay. And Hunter Schaefer. Not together, they're two individual pieces. Yes. But you know, come check me out. Come to my world. Come to Char Says So and come check me out. Well, hope to have you back. You are great. Thanks, Shira. And coming up tomorrow, besides all of that, we're also going to be talking about how the early internet created a place for trans youth to find one another and explore coming out. Plus, we're going to be telling you more about the total lunar eclipse and flower supermoon. Oof. Yeah, that and more on tomorrow's show. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. If you didn't know this already, just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There and subscribe. Join our podcast family. 
We are sending you love and light. We hope you have a great night. Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering parenting roles. That's next. Bye. Bye.